I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. Uh, yeah, I'm just chopping the steak on the grill right now. And mixing the onions in as I go. Dave Federoff, born and raised in South Philadelphia, is cooking me a cheesesteak in the back of his restaurant. And weirdly, reminding me of my grandmother. My favorite time to eat a cheesesteak is at 2 o'clock in the morning after I left the bar. No, not because of that. The smell of Dave's grill is bringing me back to my grandma's tiny western Pennsylvanian kitchen. She did not make cheesesteaks, but she was Irish, and I think she put onions and beef in just about everything she cooked. The pile of thinly cut steak and mounds of crackling onions, it just made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. You probably know smell and taste and nostalgia, they go hand in hand. Kind of like cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. Like, if you don't have a good cheesesteak, you probably couldn't have it on your menu in Philly. Whereas in other parts of the country, if you have a cheesesteak that's just okay, maybe they wouldn't know the difference anyway. Fedorov's has a handwritten sign with the hours on the door. It has a countertop to lean on, but currently no stools. Goodfellas is playing on an infinite loop on a TV in the corner. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? It is a quintessential Philly cheesesteak outpost. And a lot of people, myself included, think it almost definitely has the best cheesesteak in the city. And we're the only place in the city that uses the same cheese that they do in Philly. Oh, sorry. Just to clarify, by best in the city, I mean New York City, where I live. Dave's shop, which he co-owns with his wife Stella, is in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. But if you didn't know any better, you could be convinced you were standing on Pashunk Avenue in downtown Philadelphia. We wanted to recreate a Philly sandwich experience, not only in the quality of the food, but in the atmosphere. And we do get a lot of customers from Philly coming in, and uh, they, they love it. They always say it tastes like home. If you type Philly into your search bar, Google will autofill cheesesteak. As a symbol of the city, it's right up there with the Robert Indiana Love Sculpture or Rocky Balboa. You can find Philadelphia cheesesteaks with that exact name on menus all over the world. But if you ask any given Philadelphian, they'll almost definitely agree that no other city actually makes a good cheesesteak. The whole reason we opened the shop was because we couldn't find a good Philly sandwich here. Federoff's might be the exception here. So I can't really speak to the quality of a non-Philadelphia cheesesteak because I just know better than to put myself through that. Um. Living down in Florida and there's so many places that sell cheesesteaks and the first thing I always tell them, look here, I'm from the original. I'm from the city that, that makes the best cheesesteaks in the world, where people come from all over. Have you ever had a good cheesesteak outside of Philadelphia? No. Never? Never. They just can't do it? They can't do it. They can't be done. And the only thing Philadelphians love more than the superiority of their steaks is arguing about who specifically does it the best. Growing up, we always went to John's Roast Fork for cheesesteaks. Ari Miller is a really amazing chef it's frizzled beef, this, you know, thin, really beautiful, local grass-fed beef, a delicious cheese sauce made with local cheese, local onions, on a beautiful local roll. Uh, you have uh, Larry's. Larry's another good spot. You would love their cheesesteak as well. That was a place Kobe used to go to when he, you know... 
When I visit a new city, I always try to sample their mega iconic food staples at least once. It's a tourist attraction I can actually stomach. I mean, hot chicken in Nashville, breakfast tacos in Austin, Rocky Mountain oysters in Denver. Yum! So when we decided to do an episode about Philly, I really wanted to focus on the cheesesteak, why it's a source of city pride, how it became a Philly staple, and maybe most importantly, what is the best cheesesteak in the city? But like Dave's Kitchen took me back to my grandma's house, that last question, this quest for the best, took me back to my days writing articles at Thrillist, where I'd have to work on pieces sussing out the best grilled cheese sandwiches in the United States, or ranking the entire Taco Bell menu, or finding the MLB park with the best concessions. It's Seattle, by the way. Basically at this job, we need to spend a lot of time and brain space thinking about what best means when it comes to seemingly simplistic food. And that's like, actually a pretty tricky proposition. I'm dog sitting and there's a dog that is sleeping and snoring and occasionally farting behind me. So if for room tone purposes, it becomes an issue, please let me know. <laughs> No, farting dogs are usually okay on our end. <laughs> hey, I'm Helen Holliman. I am the editor-in-chief here at Thrillist. I think ultimately when we talk about the best with publications, like I think it's a really broad way to try to organize attention to say, hey, here's this specific area. We went through all this collection of masks and we've curated this for you through a specific lens. So is it problematic? I mean, ultimately it's like, there's stuff that I read and I hear something's the best. And I'm like, that hamburger joint is terrible. What are they talking about? But that's the beauty in food. Everything is subjective. But I think where food gets really fun is food is about telling the story of a community. So when we talk about, you know, Philly cheesesteaks or California burritos or birria tacos, you know, ultimately locals are going to have a really strong opinion about that food because they've grown up eating that. And it is part of what tells the story of their lives through memory. So when you get people from other parts of the world coming in or visitors, etc., who are tasting this stuff, they might have different criteria. This is a question that is almost as complex as what is the meaning of life? But I mean, the one thing I will say about what is the best, I think the most quotable way to put it is from the dude, from the Big Lebowski. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I feel like I gave you really like bong rip answers. <laughs> Is it cool if we add like bong effects? Like when you're doing like, Yeah. So we go, like, hold sure. on one second. Hold on one second. <laughs> so do you have any specific advice if I actually went to Philly and tried to find the best cheesesteak? Yeah, have fun. If it were me, I would make sure to just don't wear any white t-shirts. That's my advice. Yeah, I wouldn't anyway. It's it's after Labor Day. I'm fashion conscious. <laughs> I actually did end up wearing a white shirt, which was a mistake. Anyway, if I was going to do this the right way, I'd have to not only find the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia, but also grapple with what best even means, and really take a look at how I, as a writer, can justify calling something the best in a public platform in the first place. 
I knew that my only next logical step was to rent a car and go to Philly myself with the curated list narrowed down to a handful of highlights to do a taste test and also meet some of the people behind the city's most lauded cheesesteaks. But obviously, I couldn't venture into this minefield of beef and processed cheese without someone who knows the cheesesteak on a deeper plane. A cheesesteak historian, if you will. So in your mind, Philadelphia icons ranked uh, Nick Foles, cheesesteaks, and the Liberty Bell. How would you put those in order? <laughs> oh, wow, that's a toughie. I mean, not with the Liberty Bell, but between Falls and, and the cheesesteak, because Falls is, is pretty much God. We'd like him to come back. <laughs> in case you don't know, Nick Foles is the backup quarterback who helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2018. And the person speaking is Carolyn Wyman, author of the Great Philly Cheesesteak Book and uh, a number of books about supermarket, you know, grocery products, things like Cheese Whiz and Jell-O and, you know, kind of lowbrow, wonderful lowbrow foods. She is my cheesesteak whisperer. You just you sort of you eat it like, like a wood chipper, sort of. You just shove it into your mouth. The story of the cheesesteaks invention, basically, you know, it was during the Depression in the 30s, and there were a lot of immigrants in the Italian market. This guy named Pat Oliveri, he was an Italian immigrant, and he had a, a hot dog cart. One day, he was just sick of eating his own product for lunch every day. He went down to a nearby butcher, got him to slice some meat thin enough so he could cook it on his hot dog grill took it back to his usual spot at 9th and Wharton in South Philly and uh, started eating the sandwich. A cab driver came by, asked him for a bite of this, you know, whatever he had. And uh, he said, man, this is a lot better than the hot dog. You should start selling this. And so he did. And the Pat you're referencing is from Pat's, right? Like the Pat's cheesesteak. That's right, Pat Steaks. He had a, a cart and it became a stand. They built a stand on the same spot. And now his uh, great nephew runs the stand. All right, so Pat's is on the corner of 9th Street and Pashunk, as is the much more gaudy but equally famous Geno's, their infamous rival. These are easily the two most well-known cheesesteak purveyors in the city, but they are very rarely touted by locals as the best in the city. And Carolyn agrees with this notion. She has an encyclopedic compendium of cheesesteak knowledge and a ton of opinions. I pray that you will not put ketchup on it. And you will not need to put ketchup on it. You will not want to put ketchup on it. I'm seeing now is more and more people ordering it with provolone or sharp provolone. And again, I feel like personally that's too strong. To me, that's not really a cheesesteak. The most common mis conception about a cheesesteak among newcomers or tourists is that the cheesesteak comes automatically with bell peppers and it's not necessary to me on a really good cheesesteak. With Carolyn's help, I erased years of second-rate pizza shop cheesesteak experiences and tried to rewire my brain to understand what a Philly cheesesteak should actually taste like. You know, Jirbai is a very flavorful meat, but sometimes it could be a little greasy, a little fatty, and that gives it a lot of its flavor. So the other component of the cheesesteak is a little bit of drip. You want a little bit of drip. And some of that is from the fat, but some of that also is probably from the cheese so that it shouldn't be dry. Let's put it that way. And basically the ideal is the cheese 
should be noticeable but not overwhelming. The uh, onions should be cooked but not to the point of being like ketchup. The meat should have the chew of steak without being, you know, grisly or fatty, too fatty. And all those ingredients together to me should be balanced. I mean, you shouldn't eat a cheesesteak and say, you know, great meat or wonderful cheese or great bread. You should just say, this is a wonderful cheesesteak. Should, they should all come together, those flavors, this kind of beefy, cheesy, oniony flavor. So here are my parameters. The cheesesteaks I try need to be in Philly proper. We're not going to pull a George Washington and sneak across the Delaware River, so no Donkey's Place, which is an Anthony Bourdain favorite, or any other of the Garden State's cheesesteak offerings. So in Philly, we're going to pick four places that represent different varieties of cheesesteaks. And I'm going to ask for their most basic, standard cheesesteak order, you know, how they would do it, then use my own intuition and Carolyn's advice to judge. It is not going to be easy. I will almost certainly get indigestion. But we're starting with the legendary Delessandro's, a classic North Philly shop open since the early 60s. Because this place is, to me, it's sort of, the atmosphere is sort of a cross between a school cafeteria and a soup kitchen. I, I love that. I love that little space. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Delessandro's brisket cheesesteak and a sandwich so good, People have literally been buried with it. So I do kind of think Philly, you know, gets a bad, bad rep. It's just overlooked, which okay. I think is Philly as a whole. Overlooked as a food city. As an anything city. Jillian Wilson is a service editor for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Her job revolves around finding what the quote-unquote best means when it comes to things to do, drink, and eat around the city. It's a resource for locals, particularly, um, to make their lives in Philly better. And yes, that also includes cheesesteaks. The Inquirer has a list of best cheesesteaks, which Jillian helped write, that's one of their most popular pieces of all time, and also one of their most contentious. Yes, cheesesteak opinions are strong. Yeah. I think that whenever we publish any sort of cheesesteak list, and this has been any job I've had, the pushback is, I would say, sometimes stronger than we get for political things. <laughs> the fallout is bad? Yeah. It's just like people are, you know, so offended you didn't include their favorite spot. And it's like, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That goes for a lot of Philly classic foods, like cheesesteaks. And that's because I think they're so integral to the culture here. And she works with writers and editors to try to hone in on their own version of the best, to make it appealing to the masses. But, you know... You can't please everyone. We put a vegan cheesesteak in a list or a vegetarian hoagie in a list and we get an email that says, I'm not trying to eat leaves. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> then don't go there. They'll let you over. No. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, sorry. Hello. Did it. There we go. So she was the perfect co-pilot in my cheesesteak journey and was also nice enough to trust in my driving ability, even though we've never met before. Yeah, we're podcasting here. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Don't they know? I know. Delessandro's is on a very loud corner in North Philly, and right now, in the early afternoon on a weekday, there is already a giant line outside. All right, honey, what can I get for you? Can I just have, like, your classic cheesesteak, like, whatever your, like, baseline 
cheese dip. You want fried onions on it? Yes. Is that what you recommend? Of course. Then definitely. And American cheese or provolone? What would you get? I do American. Um, do it. So ours is not whiz classically. No. South Philadelphia is. Ours is not. So you obviously know what American cheese is, but it's probably time we address the big, violently orange South Philly elephant in the room. We're gonna play a quick game of what the hell is cheese whiz really with Philadelphia-based writer and cheesemonger Alexandra Jones. Overall, I would say cheese whiz. It's a a processed cheese food. They can't legally call it cheese. That's like a FDA definition. It does not meet the definition of cheese. It also has emulsifying salts and oils and fillers and other, you know, flavorings and things like that. Cheeses originated in the interwar period, actually, because of all of this technological innovation in World War I and World War II around how can we preserve food for the troops. They've stuck around because they're incredibly cheap, they're shelf-stable, they're easy to find, and because they've become part of our culture, some people just love the flavor. It might not be my option that I would choose, and there might be some other issues with its place in our, in our greater food system, but it's a legit cheesesteak topping, if you ask me. It kind of fits the vibe of a cheesesteak, which is this very populous, accessible food stuff. I forget if it was John Kerry or maybe Obama. Some, some politicians several years ago made the mistake of ordering Swiss on their cheesesteaks. It was John Kerry, by the way. And our sandwiches are ready now. Thanks, Alex. Where should we eat this? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Am I allowed to be honest? Yeah, you can totally be honest. It's not, not my favorite. Okay. I think it's maybe not cheesy enough for me. It's not that cheesy. Right? It's really meaty. Yeah, I love an even balance <laughs> between my cheese and steak. This is probably the best cheesesteak I've ever had. Okay. <laughs> but I'm coming into Philly. This is my first one in the city. I really, really, really like how thinly cut this mm -hmm, meat is. Mm -hmm. It's like not fatty at all in a good way. And I definitely feel like this one is overpowered by the meat, but mm -hmm. I, I do really like it. So I really loved the old school charm of D'Alessandro's building. I also loved the piles of onions literally spilling out of the sandwich. They're actually legendary for their onions. According to Carolyn, sometimes people come in just to get onion sandwiches, like with nothing else. And don't get me wrong, it was very, very good, but it was also pretty dry. You know what this cheesesteak doesn't have is that like drip. Mm. It's not. Yeah, it's true. It's not drippy. It doesn't have that like liquid, whether it's like fat or like melted cheese. Mm -hmm. Some of that drip might be the cheese I could see how and why people love D'Alessandro's, but I was pretty eager to stop by our three other spots. And I definitely did not want to ruin my appetite. So we've had classic cheesesteaks. So I think now we need to try something a little less classic. Okay. There's a spot near my house, actually. It's convenient and very dangerous <laughs> um, called Mike's Barbecue, where uh. they make a brisket cheesesteak. Okay. And it's out of this world. Very interested in that. Ours is rehydrated with uh, the brisket juice itself. And our cheese whiz is made in-house. We use our own Cooper Sharp cheese whiz. We use a South Philly Karanji roll and fried onions. Oh man, we've already had some too. So like, I'm like combating my, my stomach is telling me no, but my heart is telling me. I mean, you're well, very skilled. 
one hand on the mic. I know. The sandwich. It's, I know. I mean, that's impressive. And this sandwich was so good, I accidentally unplugged my microphone multiple times while I was interviewing chef and owner Michael Strauss. It's an occupational hazard. Holy shit. Sorry, I'm just like, I can't even put together thoughts. Luckily, I realized halfway through and asked him politely to repeat everything he just said, including how cheesesteak purists in town view his unorthodox barbecue cheesesteak mashup. No, the people that come here and actually eat the cheesesteak, they absolutely love it. Even if they say it's not really a traditional cheesesteak, they're not mad because it, you know, it tastes good. You know, the only time that you'll see that is if there's a list that says these are the top 10 cheesesteaks in Philadelphia, and then you see Mike's on there. Then people will say, hey, that's not a, it's a good cheesesteak, but it's not a traditional cheesesteak. Yeah. Which I get, and that's totally fair. No, there's like nothing to be critical about. <laughs> The only thing I'm critical about is my own ability to not spill all over my white shirt. God, this is so good. I can't even take it. Jesus Christ. Sorry. I don't know if you're religious, but... He shook his head, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so I clearly liked what Mike's was putting down. The drip, the sharp but not overpowering cheese, the savory smoky brisket. This was maybe the best sandwich I've had in years. But for cheesesteaks, it is very untraditional which is a strike against it, I, I guess. In terms of calling something the best, does convention really matter? Or should I simply be following my literal guts to this offbeat promised land of smoky brisket and Cooper Sharp and tell the traditionalists to shove it? But we will deal with that later because next stop is very traditional. And now we're gonna go down to South Philly to John's Roast Pork, where John Bucci will welcome us and greet us. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. So, oh, cool. yeah, you'll, you'll love him. When we pull up to John's Roast Pork in an industrial area right by the river, we make a beeline to the small trailer office behind the very small restaurant. And here we are greeted by two barking dachshunds and Mr. John Bucci. Hello. Hi. 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 Nice to meet you. John's great-grandfather opened the place in the 1930s as a literal shack by the harbor. And as soon as we walked in the door, John started taking out sepia-toned photos out of an old envelope and spreading them all over his increasingly cluttered desk. I wanted to show you those pictures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to love these, actually. My sister uncovered these pictures. What are these right here? This is the old plays of my mom and dad. That's my mom. This is the place gutted. Wow. That's the old place. You know, it's all, I mean, this, was this is my dad. Yeah, it's the mid 80s. It's a picture of my, me and my dad and oh. my mom. This is the customer at the grill at the counter. This is my dad screwing with the coffee urn. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. As we were looking over the photos, mind you, this was like 30 seconds after I met this guy, he started tearing up a bit. And I really don't blame him. It's just so special. Like, I really think, like, I'm not, I'm not belittling other places. I'm sure other places. But this place is very unique. I mean, the history that we have here and that my mom is still my boss. She's 88, but like she still does the time cards, you know, like I'm, I'm the best grill guy and sandwich maker. I am not a businessman. Like I'm the worst businessman because like, I just want people to be happy. He is so not preoccupied with the business of food. He didn't even know about the James Beard Awards. 
until he won one. So I get a call at lunchtime and um, a woman says, hi, I'm from the James Beard Foundation. And I thought it was like a scam, like they sell plaques and they give you an award and then they sell, it's really the plaque company giving you a stupid award that means nothing. <laughs> it's truly a blue collar steak shop. It closes early and every ingredient is cooked to order. The classic here is whizwit, which means with cheese whiz and with onions. This is the type of spot where people come from all over the world to visit and then decades later, bring their kids. Like my dad would get excited if someone came from Jersey, you know, like we went from like, you know, being excited from Jersey to having somebody from Czechoslovakia, <laughs> like Yugoslav, Russia, you know, like we had people from China all over the place. And it's such an honor. It's such an honor. Like they'll come right here from the airport. Like That's amazing. we have the Liberty Bell. We have like all these other things that are like, they they, want their they come here first. The cheesesteak itself, which Jillian and I devoured inside John's office, was simple. It was balanced. It had a sesame seed bun and a drip that would not quit. It's almost exactly what Carolyn described as the perfect cheesesteak. And it has been called the best before in a very public forum. These four, four high school kids, they come on a Friday and it was their senior project to find the best cheesesteak. So they contact Craig LeBan to get some advice from him and say, hey, you know, can you help us out, blah, blah, blah. Add some validity to it. Craig LeBan is one of the most respected food critics in Philly. He works for The Inquirer with Jillian. And in the early 2000s, a group of local high schoolers enlisted him to help out with their senior project, which was, obviously, finding the best cheesesteak in Philly. Eh, sounds familiar, right? He wrote the cheesesteak ranking article with the kids, and it totally blew up. John's became a worldwide cheesesteak destination. Oh, and also... Actually, the one of those high school kids, I think I told you this, he's my dentist now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't charge me. I'm like, dude, you got to charge me. Do you have his card? I'd love to call him. I, uh, I would have his number. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I obviously called this guy. My name is Andy Shore, and back in high school, me and three of my buddies decided that we wanted to find the best cheesesteak and rate cheesesteaks for our senior project. After the article came out, we were known as the cheesesteak guys. Like, we were almost famous. You know, I remember rushing a fraternity in college, and, oh my god, the cheesesteak guy! You know, it was a big deal at the time. Andy and his crew tried almost every cheesesteak in the city over the last few weeks of high school. They thought a long time about this with professional help, and they came to a familiar conclusion. I think best is a sandwich that you eat and you can't stop thinking about it. Whenever you eat a cheesesteak, it's, it's good. I mean, it's hard to have a bad cheesesteak. Right. But I think the way the meat is flavored, too, every bite, doesn't matter what bite you have, it's just delicious. It's like the scrap meat that is cooked on a grill. You can get American cheese Whiz anywhere and you just put it on a bun. And it's so, it's so easy to make, but for some reason here, it's just it's different. They've perfected it, and we're proud of it. They say when you die, you can't take anything with you, but that might not necessarily be true. I had a guy knock on the window, and he says, uh, I got this sandwich. He says, my dad passed away, and we're burying this weekend. And he always said he wanted to be buried with one of your sandwiches. And he says, I got this, and I'm freezing it, and I'm going to grant him his wish. And so I'm giving this to the funeral. <laughs> it's like when I went to the wake, they had, like, I gave him T-shirts and hats. And on that note, we'll take a break. But when we come back, one last stop and our final conclusion. 
Stick around. I kind of like doing this in the car. It's easy. It's like um, the carpool karaoke type thing. Yeah, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> that wouldn't be great. You know what the thing with that uh, carpool karaoke though that I found out is they're not really driving. Oh, they're on a trailer. Right. So I feel like for someone like James Corden to have to like dodge cars left and right as he's trying to host, which I guess is what you're doing. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, well, now that the sun is setting, I think it's probably time to head to South Street. You know, a lot of bars, a lot of good times, and Jim's Steaks, which has a great cheesesteak, and they sell beer, so we oh, should probably... I was going to ask about that. Perfect. Yeah. Love we, it. We should probably uh, end with a beer and a cheesesteak, although I'm not sure how my body can handle beer and a cheesesteak, <laughs> but we're going to try. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> so our final stop is Jim's, very close to Pat's and Gino's. They use top-round beef, caramelized onions, and a lifetime supply of cheese Whiz. It is a late-night staple here for some very obvious reasons. I feel like it's prevented many a hangover over the years. The Philly taco. Tell me about it. It's a cheesesteak from here, Jim's. Okay. And a slice of pizza from Lorenzo's on South Street, and you wrap the slice of pizza around the cheesesteak. And you eat it together. Jesus. Yeah. Have you ever done it? No. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. So far and away, <laughs> far and away the messiest. It's the whiz. It's the whiz. Okay, so this to me tastes like the cheesesteaks I have had before in my life, but better. You know what I mean? But it is that. The classic flavor. Yeah. Very comforting. With the whiz whip. Really cheesy, like the bread is super soft, the meat is good. It's really good. Yeah. This is like the last one we went to, right? But yeah. I'm still taking bites. Me too. <laughs> You're like a little more wary than I am. I but. might have to stop after this. I, I think I have to stop, but it's good. I just, you know. So the street lights turned on on South Street as we finished our beers. And I considered De La Sandro's, Mike's, John's, Jim's, I guess every good cheesesteak joint in the city is just some guy's name. But anyway, how could I possibly break down these options, each with their own strengths, their own stories? Calling something the best, especially after a couple beers, and the majority of four entire cheesesteaks in a few hours, was really hard. I tried to remember what Helen told me, what Andy told me. But specifically, I thought of something that Carolyn said. Yeah, no, I definitely think that a lot of the flavor of a cheesesteak is really about the place that sells it, the people that serve it to you, and it, and it makes a big difference. I mean, if you're in a business because, well, you know, you work there with your grandfather and and you're known all over the city for having great cheesesteaks, uh, you're going to think twice about changing to a cheaper ingredient, even if, you know, it hurts your bottom line. I love that. That's just like... You know, like they say, the Cheesesteak Factory has good food. I think, you know, maybe it does, but, but it's a factory. And I don't want that. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to keep the Cheesecake Factory out of this, please. <laughs> so for me, I had the most visceral reaction to Mike's Barbecue, which was Jillian's number one pick, by the way. And I think I'd prefer the cheese whiz hedonism of Jim's the most if I happen to be stumbling home from a South Street bar at 3 a.m., and I have definitely learned that calling something the best, period, is inherently fraught, obviously subjective. And it's essentially impossible to make a blanket statement that will suit and satisfy everyone. But still, I need to make a choice here. 
I needed a sandwich that fit Carolyn's criteria, was well-respected by locals in Philly, and maybe most importantly, made me happy. And John's had that ineffable feeling of being bigger than itself. It had that particularly weird type of nostalgia that makes you almost homesick for something you've never even experienced before. I remember back in Federoff's when the smells took me back to being a kid at my grandma's house watching her cook. And there's so much of that ingrained at John's and in John Jr. himself. It's exactly the type of place you want to go when you're visiting Philadelphia. If you want to meet people that really live there and try to understand why something as simple as a sandwich can mean so much to the city. And despite plenty of that classic trip, it does travel really well too. I'm back in Brooklyn eating the second half of my John's cheesesteak right now. The best cheesesteak in Philly. But you know, that's just like my opinion, man. Okay, special thanks to everyone we talked to. Also want to call out Tony Luke's, Phillips, and Pagano's who have great steaks but didn't make this particular cut. I am so sorry. You guys can yell at me on Twitter. This episode was produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the never-cheesy Dean White and Abby Austria. Thanks to my bosses in Podland, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kuster, and Emily Feld. If I happen to die sooner rather than later, please bury me with a cheesesteak from John's and a bottle of Jack Daniels, just in case. All right, that's it. Thank you. Bye.